0: Welcome to Lending Forward, a podcast where we're lending every bit of what we know to our listeners, from real conversations and lessons learned deep within the industry to education and forward thinking. Together, we're lending forward. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our channels and connect with us on www.atlanticbay.com. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS number 72043. NMLSConsumerAccess.org is an equal opportunity lender located at 600 Lynn Haven Parkway, Suite 203, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23452. Welcome to another episode of Lending Forward. I'm your host, Taylor Ellard. And today we get to go inside the mind of one of my personal favorite entrepreneurs. Tina Call. Welcome, Tina. Tina has sold thousands of homes in Raleigh in the industry, and she's just now getting started to truly dig her heels in with 16,000 followers on Instagram and over 7,000 followers on YouTube. Wow. That's insane. Welcome, Tina. We're so excited to have you. So I ended up creating because 2022 is one of my big... Years. Like it's 22 is my favorite number. Not that that means anything, but to me it does. I literally have it tattooed on my body. It means something to me. So I love that. And I, I was born on the 22nd. Good things happen to me on 22s. It's my 1111, if you will. I love that. I knew this was going to become a thing the podcast and trying to grow my presence. So I started my lending forward. Love it. Instagram, and I'm going to do YouTube. And I'm just, I'm kind of semi following your lead too, because I think it's so important to just have that presence and start just owning it myself and letting it be, yes, Atlantic Bay focused, but also like this is the behind the scenes how I'm going to grow. And you can see it every day. I'm starting from nothing. I literally started three days ago. (laughs) It is what it is. You got to start somewhere.
1: Well, you got to start. You got to build an audience. You have to, you know, right now you're working with Atlantic Bay, eventually you could be helping entrepreneurs do something. I don't know. Who knows, right? It just leads to different things. So I love that.
0: Exactly. Thank you. I'm excited. I see what you've accomplished. And it's just, I've told you this before. It's just like, oh my gosh, there is no cap. Like We can just grow and be in charge of your own destiny. And there's nobody telling you no. Right.
1: And it grows like every... Every year, whatever, I find when I get bored, I'm like, okay, what's next for me? Because now I'm bored and I need new passions. And for me now, it's going to be going into course building and, you know, just doing those things to help even more entrepreneurs. So why not? I never thought about that five years ago. I never would have thought I'm going to start building courses and teaching. So
0: and here we are. Here we are. I know. And how many agents do you have total right now? Um, we are at and. 56, I think. That is wild. What did the growth look like there? Tell me from like the beginning to where you were like, okay, it's time to start growing a team, and then to now. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the team building thing, it evolved, right? So it was just me as an individual agent selling 130 homes, completely worn out because my goal was always to earn a million dollars on my tax return, and I wanted to see those zeros. And I remember the first year I almost hit it, it was 997. And I was like, oh, oh man. damn it. I got to do it again next year. So I did it again that next year I made like 1.1 or whatever it was. So once you achieve that, you're like, okay, well now I got to the million. This is it. Now I'm working my butt off 24 seven. I'm not happy. I'm missing dinners. I'm missing my kids game. Like this is not the life that I thought, millionaires would have, you know. I'm like I feel like I'm a, just a slave to the job. So I um started to grow a team, but I was not a great leader because I was so overworked and overwhelmed and then I brought these people in thinking I would build leverage and the leverage wasn't really there. I got to Hand them my buyer agents, but I don't know. It just was a mess. And so then I decided that I was a part time leader. I was failing at leading the team. So let me just hire a leader for the team and I did. And that was Pam Saxman, an amazing woman. And she came in and she structured the team. She led the team and I was able to pull back on my sales a little bit. And it was like, Oh, I see the vision. I'm buying back more time. And now I'm going to grow this team. Well, I did. I grew it to where I was doing about 40 deals, which was manageable, had eight people on the team. And then we decided to really scale the team nationally um, and internationally with an opportunity to join a firm that allowed us to cross borders, really. And so once I knew my reach could be borderless, we moved to eXp Realty and people started to come to me saying, hey, I want to join you not so much your call group team, but I want to join you in this movement. And I want you to be my mentor. I want you to train. I want to partner with you. And so my first year at the firm, I had brought over 12 partners. So I actually was a terrible recruiter. Like, you know, I didn't recruit. I would have been fired from any other firm with 12 people, but I (laughs) took 12, but those 12 grew the team to 200. And then the next year I brought over 18 people personally. And then those 18 people grew it to 450. And then this last 12 months, I actually brought over 59 agents myself.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. And
1: that was through this, through, through social media, through podcasts, through just being out there, and spreading the message that, hey, it's different over here. The conversations are different. Join us. And now we have 856.
0: That's wild. That is crazy. And do you actually know how many homes you've sold?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, in my career... Yeah. Well, with my team, my team now sells 500 homes a year, but personally for me, it's roughly just over 2000 that I've personally sold.
0: Wow. That's crazy. So thousands of houses and so many agents, lots of moving parts. We're getting inside of your mind, right? So you're one of my favorite entrepreneurs. So I love learning from you. So any little nuggets I love to take away from this, but What do you do daily? What is one thing that you know you're going to do that helps you get into the right mindset?
1: For me, so that's been a process, right? The first seven years of my career, I just, I let the day happen to me because nobody told me how the day should be structured. And so I was the equivalent of the five people that I was around, great people, but they just got into the office, sat at their desk, waited for the phone to ring. And, you know, we talked to the people we knew and that was it. And 2006 happened in Michigan, where it was uh, similar to 2008, but we got hit earlier, and the market started to just unravel, and so my income went from 150 thousand to 40 thousand. I was like, "Well, this is not good. I think I'm going to leave real estate. I think I'm going to go and again, my entrepreneurial brain. I think I'm going to go do interior design because I love interior design and I can work hourly for people and blah blah blah. But thank God, as I was going that route, I got derailed by a, a lady in our market who had a coach, a real estate coach, and she was a millionaire. And I sat with her and I was like, how are you doing it? How are you blah, blah, blah. And she said, kid, if you want to be successful, and I think I was 20, 24 at the time, she said, if you want to be successful, you need to hire a coach. You need to read more books about self-improvement in business and you need to surround yourself with big thinking people. And I was like, okay, well, whatever that means. So I just hired the same coach she had and the rest was history. I got That coach immediately, they looked at my day and they said, okay, in the morning, you need to wake up at six. You need to, it's six o'clock to seven o'clock needs to be Tina time. What are you going to do to get your brain prepped? And so I would wake up at six and I'm not a morning person. Today, my day looks way different. It's way more me, but I woke up at six. I would, you know, mentally write down what I was thankful for. I would read like, a chapter in a book. I would get ready for the day. I would get to my office at 7.30, 7.30 to 8. I would role play with five different salespeople around the nation, getting better at my scripts because I was about to do what every entrepreneur who's in sales hates, which is get on the phones and prospect. Yuck. So I had to be mentally tough and prepared. So from 8 to 11, I would get on the phones and get rejected all day looking for buyers and sellers that wanted to sell or buy, strangers. And then from 11 to 12 I would check my email. 12 to 1 was lunch and then 1 to 7, depending on what appointments I had made, I was out in the field servicing customers. And then by the time I got home at 7, I checked emails again, exhausted, get in bed at 11 and do it again on repeat for 5 years. So that was my daily grind
0: every day. That's a, a lot. It
1: was a lot. It wasn't on my schedule, it wasn't getting done, but that's the hard that so many are not willing to do. But for me, it was like, no, I grew up in a really poor family and I'm not going to be a statistic and I'm not going to be begging my husband to give me, you know, $100 a week to go coupon shopping with the money that we, you know, that was my mom. Frank, we have enough money to go to this store this week. No, we don't. So, you know, buy less grapes, sorry, like that's not going to be me. So that was my driver that I would, I was almost so afraid of failing that I just gave up so much of my daily life, which I would do it a little differently today. Which part? I think that there's a point where the money becomes the goal, right? You're like, okay, I need security. So therefore I need money. And once you have the money, I think I, I stayed in that money rat race so long that I did build wealth, which was great, but I gave up so much. And you can't get back the time you miss with your child. You can't get back the time that you miss just with your life, like it was such a blur that I never took time for me. And to really say, you know what, let me spend some of the money that I'm making and buy back time. And that's okay if I don't sell 130 homes and I sell 90. It would have made no difference financially, the security in my life, but it would have made a massive dent in my daily time with my family. I would do that a
0: little bit differently. Sure. it's, it's hard because it's it's like you've made it you've made it here you know and people are looking at you like wow, she's truly made it and the best part about you is that yes you've made it but you're so excited to just spread that education and spread your coaching and mentorship that that's something that not everybody has once they've made there's very cold people at the top shell lists and it's like this is something that is a true passion for you and it shows it really does. I was at a Tony Robbins conference
1: for our company. He actually came and spoke. We paid him, the agents paid him $350,000 to speak for five hours. Like imagine that kind of paycheck. But he was saying that he has mentored some of the richest people in the world. The people that are, we look at and go, oh my God, they're on yachts and private jets. And he said of the, let's say 100 people that he's coached and mentored, maybe out of those 100, 10 are truly happy, like truly they're they're not depressed or they're not like their life is miserable. So I always looked at money was a vehicle not to happiness. I was happy broke. I'm happy rich. I'm just happy. I'm just naturally happy. I'm thrilled to be alive. Like I'm so thrilled to wake up and go. Oh my god, I I'm breathing. Like that is a joy. So I think that if you're always worried about what's missing in your life, you're focusing on what you don't have. Therefore, that brings sadness. It brings lack. It it doesn't have that abundant thinking. So, if somebody's listening to this and they're in that place where they're look at them, look at her, look at him, look what they have, look what they've grown. Now you you started your day in a depressed state. You're just come from. I don't have enough. How do you feel happy when you don't have enough? So it's like you have to really like. I realized for a long time that when I looked at someone and, and they had something that I wanted, it wasn't so much. Envy. Envy was that I literally was admiring them. You know, I was envious, but I was admiring what they had instead of feeling lack. I tried to reposition my brain to say, well, you know what? They worked hard. I could have that. Now, what are the
0: steps to go get it? Yep. And not a woe is me. It's just, I want to copy paste.
1: I want to copy paste. Yeah. What did they do? How did they do it? Let me go ask them. Like I asked anybody successful, I'm like, so. How did you get from A to B? Like, how did your life start? Who was your family? What did your tribe teach you? Because again, going back to our family, a lot of us have those ideas and opinions of our family. Well, you should go to college and you should get this and you should, and you should. And, and your whole life is a bunch of should of Yeah, I should do this because my this is what is expected. Right. So, and that's not truly your core.
0: That's Right. I love that. So, you mentioned that you've read a lot. And is there any particular book that sticks out that you are like, let's just say somebody's breaking into the business and you're like, you have to read this book. You just have to.
1: God, there's so many. It's like The 7 Habits of Highly Successful People, like that's a great book. I love Think and Grow Rich. There's an issue in our world with money. Think of what people think when when they think of money. Money's the root of all evil. Is it? Like I guess if you do evil things with it. Like I think money's the root of it's indifferent it doesn't have a feeling like money is just money like you need it to survive and i feel like if i become really successful i've put the the mask on first when you're on a plane it says if the plane's going down put your oxygen mask on first then help the person next to you so i feel like if you become successful and live up to your potential you're putting that oxygen mask on first now i can do good things with the money i can start foundations i help my family buy homes. My mom and my dad, I help retire them. I can do better things if I live to my potential. So your money is a good
0: thing. It is a good thing. <laughs> so you kind of took us through your day when you were first starting out and really grinding. What does a typical day in Tina's world look like now? Way more fun.
1: <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm not cold calling. I'm not prospecting. I did that hard work. I'm still waking up pretty early, but not six. I'm usually seven o'clock, seven thirty. Like I'm gonna I'm just not a morning person. But once I'm up, I spend that hour just taking my time, getting ready. Like I'm not rushed anymore. Like I'll go make my tea and just sit and look through a magazine or read something. A lot of times I love to brainstorm. So I have tons of notebooks. I mean I have like Probably 10 sitting on my desk for all different things. And so I'll just dream about, you know, what's next and jot my ideas down. Then I have usually a marketing meeting with my staff who does our marketing. So we get that out of the way each day to see what we need to do. And then pretty much I'm on calls doing coaching calls with agents in my organization. These are free coaching calls just because they've partnered with me and just trying to help them navigate their business, which brings me a lot of joy. So. I don't have to leave. I don't have to get in my car. I don't have to drive around God's green earth showing houses anymore. I'm just doing what, what my calling is. So it looks a lot different. And then I can have lunch with whoever I want, whenever I want. I can take a day off. Like I try to take a day off per week and the weekends are completely off. My phone's not ringing anymore. So it's just, you know, it's just doing what I truly would have done had I not had
0: to worry about money early on. Good. You deserve it. And we, we love to hear it and learn from you. But I want to know a couple of things when it comes to one, somebody breaking into the business. So the lending industry is much like what you're up against as well. So we're prospecting. And the last couple of years have been kind of crazy. So when things sort of die down a bit, what is it that you're coaching and teaching folks to do? I know that you mentioned role-playing. How important would you say that is to people's business? It's
1: massive. It's massive because think about it, you know, every day you're talking to a consumer about buying or selling or a lender's talking to an agent. If you don't figure out the the 40 objections, like I always say in real estate, there's about 40 objections a buyer or seller comes up with. We created a little book And we know those objection handlers. So buyers and sellers aren't going to school to learn how to stump agents. Like It's just not happening, right? So they say the same thing. Why do we not get good at the answers? My feeling is I had for the first seven years a script. It was my script. It was what I naturally say to people. I'm pretty good at speaking to people. But once I hired that coach and they showed me, hey these agents, these 4,000 agents use this script and they get better results. And if you track your numbers, you'll see that your efficiencies will go up. Once I learned that new script and did it every single time the same way, I got better and better and better. I could go to 10 appointments and land eight where before it was like 50-50. I might get five out of the 10, I might get four, now I can get eight. So yeah, it's important if this is your craft and you're in a sales environment, every single day, there should be an hour a day of getting better at your craft. Imagine a football player saying, well, I already know how to play football, so I'm not going to go to practice. No. Greatness comes in that daily
0: practice. So, so it's very important. What's one of your favorite things to coach?
1: I love the the presentation. I'm a performer by nature. Like I before I got into real estate, I wa- I did commercials and I was in acting and I wanted to be in Hollywood and <laughs> So I think performance to me, getting out of your shell, like I send my team to improv classes. I want them to think on their feet. I want them to be uncomfortable so they can grow. When you think about sales, you're performing. Maybe your audience is of one or two people, but that's a performance. So you have to get really good in that mindset of, I'm an agent. What does an agent do? I'm a lender. What does a lender do? I'm in front of these clients how should I act? And if I'm with a client, depending on their disc profile, I'm very big on figuring out who your client is, what their personality is. And then I have to pair and match them. That's acting. So yeah, I would say that that's pretty important to performance and your script and role play.
0: I have to say, I didn't know that about you, that you were, that was kind of the the pre-agent life. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty fun though. That, I mean, and that honestly, I mean, it kind of sets you up for some social success as well. And knowing how important that that is in people's business plans forever now, that's really cool. I didn't realize that.
1: And what's funny is you may think, oh, gosh, that, that means that she doesn't have fears. I was deathly afraid of public speaking. But when you're acting, you're in another character. You're not talking to an audience. So it was a little different for me, but I had to get over that fear, too.
0: Right. Exactly. So I guess on the, in the same token, you know, how are you coaching to get out of fears? Is it, if maybe it's a mental thing or it's a fear of rejection or overcoming obstacles? Well, I get tongue tied when someone tells me no. What are you teaching people to overcome those things?
1: So I try to have them compartmentalize fear. And I, I always say, imagine fear is this little drunk monkey on your shoulder. It is not you. It is not your true psyche. It's, it's this little monkey that every time you say, Oh God, I'm so afraid. That's that little monkey controlling you. So it's, it's giving you its monkey brain. And so your job is to say, No, not today, monkey brain. Like you are not. Going to control me. I'm going to face this fear. I'm going to get on the other side of it and I'm going to conquer it. Because if you teach yourself to conquer and to bust through limiting beliefs and get through fears and do the things that you're afraid of, it just gives you that superpower. So for me, my biggest fear was public speaking. I mean, I would literally shake if I had to sit in front of a panel of, you know, or I had to sit on a panel of six agents and there were 25 agents in the crowd at our firm. I would shake and sweat. And, and it was an awful feeling. So how did I get through it? Oh, just speak more. Just say 2019 was my year of, I'm going to speak at everything that I get invited to. Well, what was the first thing I got invited to? We want you to do a TED talk. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Well, yes, you are because you said 2019, you would have to say yes to every, that was a friend of mine who curated a TED talk. She knew my fear. She knew my commitment. And how do I back down from that? So once I conquered that and literally did it, and I thought it was awful and I had dry, you know, dry throat and cotton mouth and literally almost choked on stage, <laughs> I walked off that stage and I felt like ripping my shirt open and exposing this superwoman S, you know, like I was like, this is it. I did it. Now I, that's it. I'm not afraid anymore. I did it. So yeah, it's just kind of busting through those fears and making sure that you know you're stronger than that that monkey brain.
0: I love it. It's true. And a lot of people deal with it and that they just have to grow, grow from it and learn to listen and overcome it. And it's not easy, but doing it over and over, as you mentioned before, practicing it, your art, you can become anything you want to be. I love that. Yeah. So- We're coming kind of to a a close here. And I just want to tell everybody that we, this is the first of many, many, many conversations with Tina. We love hearing from you, but I want to know, and I'm sure listeners want to know as well, what's next for Tina Call? What are you and your entrepreneurial mind and spirit believing is next for you?
1: When I look at the trajectory of my business, I think a lot of it was, I was a little selfish. And when I say selfish, it was just sort of, I kept I played really small on purpose. I only had myself and eight agents on my team and we all did amazing. We all made a lot of money. We all had each other. And when I think about my life then, I was golfing three days a week. I was spending my extracurricular time doing things that I loved, but how many people did I touch? Eight, like that was it. Now that I have this opportunity where we have 856, it's like people are thanking me and, oh, my God, you've changed my life. And it's like, no, I didn't do it. You did it. You took the action. But it feels so good. And it's like, oh, this is so fun. So now I think it's really exposing just our our goals, our dreams, our desires with somebody else, hoping to inspire them to get into action. I think that it's more going to be um, coaching, training, material, community, building a bigger community of entrepreneurs that just want to get over it and do fulfill their life's purpose. And maybe we have 10,000 agents in our network in the next 10 years. Like I think that I could see that happening.
0: I love it. So our last question, and you know, we have to ask it, and I think you kind of just pretty much said it, but to be perceived, however you please, how are you lending forward?
1: Well, I think it's being available, believing in people before they believe in themselves. I think sometimes you just need that person to go, no, I've been there. I, I had all the self-doubt. I had, I was you, like, you got to get over it. You got to, you have to learn to love yourself first. Like That is my biggest aha for me. I was always so critical. And of myself. And I tell everybody now, I'm like, if you actually talk to other people, how you talk to yourself, you'd have no friends. So I'll leave everybody with look at your self talk and start to redirect how you talk to yourself. And I think a lot of things about you will change.
0: Agreed. 100%. We all can learn that, I think, a little bit. We all should love ourselves. I love that. Yes, Thousands of homes in Raleigh sold, a huge team, almost over 17,000 followers on Instagram. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we love learning from you and there is so much more to come, but thank you all for listening. And how are you going to lend it forward today? Thanks again for listening to the Lending Forward podcast powered by Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Don't forget to tune in next week and make sure you subscribe to our channel. Remember, we all play a part in lending forward. So go lend something forward today.